Welcome to a tubular episode of Most Extreme Ranking Challenge Movie Edition, where today, where today we're going to be... A tubular was a thing in the 80s, right? Was that 80s or 90s? Probably like 90s, really. But yeah, sure. Or 90s. That's so yeah, we're, we're off to a great start here. Today. We're off to a great, great start. start. We're this is what bad. happens when you use the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as a reference tower. Yeah, yeah, bro. <laughs> started in the 80s, though. Started in the 80s. Welcome to Most Extreme Ranking Challenge Movie Edition. Uh, today we're going to be doing something different than the last episode, where we are going to be doing an entire decade all into one episode. Uh, and I'm really excited about it, because one thing, I'm not the biggest fan of this decade, either fashion-wise, media-wise, or just politics or anything at all. So, uh, <laughs> I know, I'm not a big 80s person, even though I was born in 88. But uh, joining me today is my co-host, as always, is the fantastical Anna Voltage. Hello, and I love the eighties. Okay, so get ready, everyone. Get ready. Did you say that you I did you say that you heart the eighties? I heart the eighties. He breaks for no one, Albert. Hi, Albert from the Stuff and Junk Show. Absolutely. And the uh the, I can't think of any more eighties uh, things, but uh we have There's only have, two. That's all there was. I know. Yeah, that was it. That was that was it. Uh and we have Josiah from Josiah's right. I'm Josiah from Josiah's right. You can find me here on youtube unless you're listening to this not on youtube but you probably are seeing me and us on youtube and i'm joined by penny today but she was definitely not born in the 80s so she'll have less input on this episode than uh, anybody else here but i think i'll have the most because i think i'm the oldest one on this episode last and certainly not least we have elora joining us what is going on elora not much happy to be here but i'm elora from the pop prison power podcast perfect Alrighty, well, let's get cracking and let's start going in deep diving into the 80s, what some people consider as the greatest uh, decade of film. I definitely really? don't agree, but uh, let's let what's going on. It, does, it definitely has what is considered as the greatest year for film, which is 1982. But we'll jump in. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll definitely dive into that uh, soon. This Our year judges- for people as well. Greatest year what? for people, 1982. Oh, you're born 1982. Oh, that, oh. Nice. Yeah, for the judges for this, uh, we're going to be doing the top three and the bottom two of the decade. At number three, Obi Elora. Number two, nice. Josiah. And number one, our critic extraordinaire, Albert. And uh, for the oh, second yeah. worst, it'll be our own Anna. And at number one, it'll be me. And the difference between this and the main show is that judges do not get to be selfish for the worst. We are all getting the judge chair uh each so with that let's go to the third best 80s film of all time in the 80s of the 10 years <laughs> can't say all time because it's just 10 years however i'll i'll go first because i've been talking this whole time um elora i don't know if you mm-hmm. are a fan of musicals at all oh, I, I am I, oh perfect good oh good uh uh, I I love this film. It is currently being remade. Every time it's on stage, it's always a good time. It is a comedy. It is a horror. It is a weird, dark, dark musical that I love very, very much with an all-star cast, especially for the 80s, for comedy and whatnot. Uh, I have, there is a little plant from space that created the Little Shop of Horrors. I absolutely love The Little Shop of Horrors. I think it is a brilliant film, brilliantly made, amazing atmosphere, great editing, great casting. Uh, even Steve Martin, uh, you know, man. Um, but like, I, uh, the great Rick Moranis, you just, it's perfect. Feed me, Seymour, feed me. I cannot <laughs> wait for that remake. And uh, I, that's, that's what I, I absolutely love that movie, and um, I definitely think it should, deserves to be on this list. So, yeah. Have you watched the uh, Prime Video movie, I Want You Back? No, I haven't yet. It had, it had Jenny Slate in it, and she sang, I forget what song it was, but it was from Little Shop of Horrors. And she actually, oh, really? That's a pretty cute scene. You check it out. It's probably suddenly Seymour, I'm guessing, but I... Yeah, I it Jenny is. Slate. It is. That's right. Suddenly Seymour. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the perfect impression. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. So that is a very solid choice. Uh, it's, it's, very, it's, a very 80, mm-hmm. it's a very iconically 80s movie, if nothing else. Very yeah. iconically so, 80s. So, to age myself, I was actually born in the 70s. So my childhood really was like. Oh, the Albert! 80s. Wow, you are the old man. I'm the I'm the I'm young the buck here. for once on these things. Usually with GTA yeah. stuff, I'm the old guy. So I feel I feel good. I feel young. 
<laughs> yeah, so so my younger years really were the eighties and the nineties, you know. Mm. Uh, as a kid in the eighties, the teenager in the nineties kind of situation. But uh, a lot of the things that we learn, I mean I think Josiah can relate to this, is is from the movies. Like the things we grew up with that formulated who we are came from the eighties, the movies from the eighties, a lot of it. And one of them also involves like little shop horror involves the subject of love and uh, living is past times at Richmond High. Okay, oh. This one, this, mm. there's been a lot of teenage uh, based movies in the eighties. There's a lot of them, but a lot of them are very idealized. This one was one of the ones that were that kind of had a more realistic tune to it, you know. And, and the the people in it felt like real people. Yeah. Uh, Car- Cameron Crowe uh, disguise disguise himself. He he dis- he uh, pretended to be a high school kid when he did the research for this movie. A lot of the people <laughs> in in the movie are kind of based on like real people, you know. And, and it's very a uh, frank look at teenage life. And it's not always like the rich kids that you always see in this kind of movies or the upper middle class. These are people who are trying to like get a job and at the same time trying to find love. That and also is uh, it also introduces me to my very first movie crush, Edie Cates. So there's that too. Yeah, it also gave us uh, that movie. Also gave us the amazing uh, Judge Reinhold. So uh, yeah, <laughs> right. And of course, that, uh... and of course, Piccoli. I guess you got to miss Piccoli, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That yeah. Volkswagen bus is still currently running and active, and you can catch it at any of the Volkswagen shows that show up in Southern California, and Whoa, they'll let you awesome. smoke in it if you oh. ask them very nicely. <laughs> oh wow, amazing, amazing. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> that is awesome. That's going on a road trip. <laughs> the Spicoli thing, I, I remember like Cameron Crowe was talking about, you know, he wrote the book and he, that's when he did the undercover thing because he had written for Rolling Stone before that and stuff. And he like graduated high school when he was super young, like almost famous kind of covers some of that in a fictionalized version of his own life. I love that but movie too. The, he talked about when he met Sean Penn after they had rapped, like he stays in character. So he was Spicoli all the time. So he was like super loved. But then after the fact that like the rap party or something, I don't know what it was, but he meets him and he meets Sean Penn. And he was like the opposite person that the character of Spicoli. So it was kind of like a letdown meeting the real person versus the, the character that he had come to know as, you know, Sean Penn as Spicoli instead of the real Sean Penn. So I always really thought that was just interesting and weird and <laughs> love that that van I- is out there. Actually, did you know that Sean Penn actually based Piccoli on somebody he actually knows in real life? Really? And apparently the story goes like decades decades later, he met the guy. And he's completely like a changed man, like a family guy and a very stable guy. So in in Sean Penn's words, Piccoli still lives and he's pretty happy and have a solid life. Nice. Like that. All right. Josiah or Anna, who likes to go next? I can go next. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, I also have a high school movie, and this one definitely shaped my life because I picked uh, for my top three, the number three, Pretty in Pink. Oh, oh pink hair. yeah. Oh, man. This movie, this movie is everything because it made me think that prom was going to be amazing and prom was not so i kind of got bummed out and i thought i was gonna make my own dress and no i did not but um it was oh man something about it like the fashion um the characters james spader was a bad guy and then i fell in love with him in stargate like it's just so many things about this movie just shaped like i just have to start i don't you. know you're the one person that would say i fell in love with james spader in stargate I just, which is, I which love. Is wonderful and great. I love that. That's why you're awesome. But probably not a popular like movie to fall in love with James Spader for. I know. I know. But I, I mean, I love that movie. And I'm just like, damn, like, I'm really loving you. Because I hated him. I really was, I we could not stand him after that movie. And uh, Pretty in Pink, I mean, but, you know, I don't know. Molly Ringwald was just like the epitome of like what I wanted to be in high school and I obviously was not like that but you know yeah pretty in pink it was just it stayed with me it's it has stayed with me till now so oh man I'm not gonna lie I <laughs> forgot about John Hughes I'm not gonna lie oh god you guys literally I gotta say yeah. full admission Tyler same same thing I'm thinking oh man yeah oh, like how do you like, like forget John Hughes sh- in the 1980s oh you know, I have no movies idea and 
Pretty in Pink and going yeah. on to Uncle Buck, which I think that was still the 80s, but yeah. Man. Aim. All righty. All right, Josiah. Oh, say it's me. So I, I, I have a few props, and this is one that this is tough because it's only three choices. So mm-hmm. I kind of went for something here that this isn't the choice. So this is just an example, right? I have Blade Runner here, which could have easily been on this list. So I'll move that aside. This is my laser disc collection being very uh, 1980s. <laughs> but I really was thinking, okay, what's for me one of the most absolutely iconic movies of the 1980s? And that is kind of also the last movie of the 1980s in a sense, because in 1989, uh, Albert will remember this probably that there was no bigger movie than Batman. Oh man! And this Tim Burton mm-hmm. Batman mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. Michael Keaton, mm-hmm. Tim Burton, Jack Nicholson, Jack Nicholson. That's uh, the the golf. Uh, yeah, Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholas yeah. is the golfer. Um, in my head, I was saying it wrong, but I was saying it correctly. I think you and, might be the first pe- person in history to ever uh, confuse Jack Nicholson <laughs> with a golfer. Especially, I'm claiming to be like. Especially the person that claimed me like, oh, I'm a movie guy. So uh, Albert will remember this, but being born and living through the 80s and really the, the the last year of the 80s came for me, I think, one of the most iconic movies in the 1980s. And it's also I the first time, at least, that I remember a movie absolutely dominating pop culture in every way. This movie, Batman, oh, the original Michael Keaton, uh, Tim Burton, Batman just absolutely dominated pop culture like nothing else. Like every kid had that black shirt with the bright, uh, you know, orange, not orange, yellow with the the, the, the high contrast of the Batman symbol from it. I had that sweatshirt. Every kid had that sweatshirt. This is my original VHS copy that I got for Christmas of, wow. in 1989. I'll never forget. I got this and I got the Wizard of Oz for Christmas that year. And the Wizard of Oz was like, would have been like the 50th anniversary edition came out in 1939, right? That's the, that's the right math on that. Uh, but just to think that now this movie is approaching being that old, which is kind of crazy, <laughs> <laughs> but this is also, uh, this is not my original Batman toy, but the reason I show you this one, because this is the original Joker, but what happened to this Batman when I got this guy, this is, was a special Batman where he has this great little action feature, right? Oh my where he God. can do this and like you put him on a rope and he went, like, went down the rope. He came with like another piece. The day I got it, my brother Jake put it from our staircase across, put it down, it fell and it, the arm broke off oh. the very day that I got it. So this has been a replacement that I got as an adult. But the, the 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 Batman toy, but it's just such a again. We talked like you guys have done a good job, and it's really good competition already at, at number three for the best movie because there are things that are just so unbelievably iconic and stand out in different ways as huge important movies in the eighties. And this one for me, like I said, I kind of view it as almost like the last movie of the nineteen eighties. Yeah, it's special and unique in that way where it kind of encapsulates, but it also kind of points to what the future would become for movies in this kind of superhero movies mm-hmm. that would then at the end of the nineties in particular, really start to ramp up. And then here we are living in it today. And I would argue that it all began right here with Batman. So not the Batman now that and here we are all these years later with the Batman and uh, just Batman. Best Batman movie ever. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <My God. laughs> A lot of people talk about Heath Ledger's Joker, but people forget Jack Nicholson was an excellent Joker. He was. I didn't quite. I didn't quite agree with the backstory they gave him in the movie, but he was an excellent Joker. Still, you know, I think he did his best in in that. You know, <laughs> wow. I just, I keep thinking about like that interview where John Lithgow had the role and said no, and how amazing that would have been. How I just think John Lithgow would have been possibly the perfect Joker ever, but. He was just like, mm, no, give it to Jack. Like, <laughs> well, there, there's another story that they uh, they approached Robin Williams to be Joker, but they weren't really interested in him. They were only doing it to sort of leverage the contract with Jack to get mm. him to sign, saying, "Oh, if you don't do it, we have Robin Williams ready to go." Because then later they approached Robin Williams to be the Riddler, and he was he said no, and he refused to do it because he was mad about basically being used as a pawn in negotiation tool. That's ah. the story that I've heard. So like when Jim Carrey ended up being the Riddler, that's the convoluted path that it was supposed to be a different famous Robin, comedic actor. 
Yeah, Robin Williams' Batman movies is insane because also Robin Williams is the one who told uh, who told the Nolans to look into Heath Ledger. It's the craziest thing. He has like this. He had like this whole like impact on Batman movies for so many years. It's insane. But anyway, uh, uh, hey, Laura, you have four amazing '80s films yeah. uh, to choose from for the third best '80s film of of all decade. So, what are you going to choose? <laughs> Well, this is such a hard pick, um, but I'm going to go with something that almost made my list. It was like just by the skin of the skin of its teeth, it didn't make my list, and it's Batman because oh. I was obsessed with Batman as a kid. I had it wasn't that Batman, but I had the Michelle Pfeiffer outfit, so I used to watch all of the Batman movies over and over. I have that same exact VHS copy of Batman somewhere at my parents' house. <laughs> and, and the, the Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman figure is just up on the shelf. It's, it's, I think it's out of camera shot, but maybe well, no, it's right there if you can see it. I know that we're small little pictures, but I have that one as well. So. <laughs> yeah, but those were all really good picks, and that made it very, very hard because I love Little Shop of Horrors, and I really like Fast Times because it's got really good history in it. But Batman. I was gonna put Batman as well, based on Josiah's thing, but and then I, I forget. Uh, Alfred just pretty much told what's your name, his secret in like I don't know where. I'm like, the, to this day, I'm like shocked that that happened in a movie. I, I'm Batman. so sad to say this, but I am not a fan of any of the bad uh, of any of the old bat, uh, Batman movies except for Batman wow. and Robin because of how much fun it is to watch Batman and Robin with friends. Like oh god yeah I I cannot stand Batman movie. or Batman Returns the only thing I, I can stand Batman Returns because Michelle Pfeiffer is like the most gorgeous woman ever but um <laughs> anyway and on that note we're gonna move on to the second best 80s film of all time this time Josiah is the judge Elora you were judged last time would you like to go first yeah so I'm gonna go with a movie that's a little bit dark but it's still a comedy. It's got some musical numbers in it. It's a lot of fun to watch. I'm going to go with Beetlejuice as my number two pick. Another Tim Burton movie. I really, really, like, I obsessively watch this movie over and over and over again. And it's one of those movies that helped shape my childhood because I loved everything Tim Burton when I was growing up. (laughs) That is an 80s movie. For some reason, I I thought it was 91. That's a strong. That's a strong start. Yeah, Tim Burton. (laughs) Like we gotta just quickly acknowledge though, Tim Burton absolutely killing it in this era. Mm -hmm. I sincerely think this is one of the best um, comedy movies of all time, up there with like Duck Soup. Um, I mean, like so, it it literally has stood the test of time. Where they even try to remake it very lazily, and it failed. Um, This movie got uh, gave an Academy Award winner, uh, or gave an Academy Award to uh, to John Gilgood. Uh, it had the amazing cast of Liza Minnelli and uh, Dudley Moore, and it is Arthur from 1982. It is my third favorite film of all time. It has some of the funniest moments, funniest jokes ever. It is a weird movie where millionaires are the most are very relatable. It has one of the best scenes ever where he's waiting for like you know he he's in a he's in an arranged marriage with another millionaire um millionaire family with with this very boring person and he's just this drunk and he it's just this he's waiting for her and he's like in this weird study and he's just like talking about a moose with her father and he's just very very drunk i don't drink because drinking affects your decision making you may be right i can't decide It's oh, just a little humor. <clears throat> Where's the rest of this moose? It's just a, a great scene, but like John Gilgood is just so fantastic in the movie. Liza Minnelli is unbelievable in this film. Uh, and it still has also one of my other favorite lines ever where, you know, where her, her dad, who, they're very poor, you know, and he's just like, well, what's this guy got? Like, is he, what, what kind of bum is he? And she goes, dad, he's a millionaire. You have my permission to marry him. That's like, that's always been one of my favorite lines ever. And so, uh, yeah. Arthur with Dudley Moore, Liza Minnelli, and John Gilgood. Love it. Alcohol, alcoholism is comedy. Yay. I know. It doesn't age well. But, I mean, it's still a fun, still a fun movie. And it's, it's, you know, it's, it's just good. I mean, look at Duck Soup. Duck Soup is also very problematic. But, like, it's still one of the funniest films, no matter how 
how many years it's been. It'll be a hundred years almost old, and it's like still one of the greatest comedies of all time. So, and that's actually that is a good choice. Like again, it's like these solid uh, movies that uh, like so far the two that you guys are you know proposing for me here are both movies that I'm like, oh, how didn't I think of that? Those are both actually really great, and again, like very iconic movies of mm-hmm. that decade that really mm-hmm. stand out. And and I think one of the things that all the movies that we've talked about for the most part. Uh, they they all they feel eighties ish sometimes, but they also carry over really well. They hold yeah. up really well, and that's what we're seeing. I think that's the strength of I guess any time you look at the best movies from a decade, those those movies stand out when they hold up. All the franchise movies started pretty much I think in the eighties, and also the seventies. You know, there are there's the sci fi stuff, the action based one, uh, and there's a one particular sci fi one that's really popular that came that was around the eighties as well, and th- this was the movie. That made me uh, be a fan of Star Wars, and that is Spaceballs. Okay. Oh. So, so Spaceballs. I was never a huge fan of Star Wars. I love Star Wars, but I wasn't a huge fan of Star Wars and what it stood for until Spaceballs. Okay. With Spaceballs, we made fun of Star Wars. That's when. That's when I grew to like. Oh, I like Star Wars. <laughs> I'm so glad somebody picked this movie. <laughs> Spaceballs. It's funny. It's meta. It's it's self-referential. It, it's everything about comedies that I grew to love <laughs> until now. It's both. I, I will say this. I'm a huge Mel Brooks fan. I sincerely think that that's one of his weakest ones. Uh, yeah, a lot of people do say that. But this holds a special place in my heart. The characters, the lines in the movie. You know, it, it, it just, for me, as a kid back then, it was everything to me. Yeah, in Spaceballs, it's it's. Uh, I think for a lot of people, because of the connection of Star Wars, it's whether it's Mel Brooks's best or not. It's like the Mel Brooks gateway drug that you yeah. see that movie yeah. and that gets yeah. you in the door because you're like, oh, this is like a funny Star Wars kind of mm-hmm. thing. And then it, it it starts that ball rolling up because for me, for sure, I saw Spaceballs before I saw anything else and going, you know, mm-hmm. went then went back and looked at his other things, but because uh, like you know probably saw it probably around the by the late 80s i finally saw it on vhs Spaceballs, but i'm like there's a funny star wars and yeah. i love and i loved it for that reason and that's what's special about that movie but another one that i wouldn't have thought of that is definitely beloved from the decade yeah man except by tyler oh. <laughs> yeah. i i i loved tyler. it as, i loved it as a kid but like going back and watching like history world part one the producers like sure, both sure. of them and like Young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles, like oh, yeah. man, it's. I, I completely agree with Tyler, but I gotta give the Spaceballs. It's yeah, the one. I know. It was, I, I get it. Just how I said it, it was the gateway for Mel Brooks, but for me, it was also a gateway yeah. to me loving Star Wars, and I think that was a that's a huge yeah. deal in my life. So I gotta give props. That's, that's yeah. pretty legit too. Though. That yeah, mm-hmm. that is that's definitely that's some cred right there for sure. All right, Anna, don't ruin this. We're on a good track right now. I know this is so hard. All right, so I chose a little film from 1984 um, called Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Oh, damn it! Wait, that's the okay. Wait, that's the wrong movie. What? Yeah, Indiana Jones, <laughs> Temple of Doom was in the nineties, wasn't it? Or am I crazy? No, Temple of Doom. No, it was the eighties. That's the wrong yeah, it's movie. Eighty four. It's definitely. Why did I think yeah. Temple of Doom was in the nineties? Well, I'm an yeah. idiot. Okay. No, 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 no. Wow, it, you guys it, look I can, so I can, mean. I can, I, can, I can confirm the copyright date. Eighty four. Thank you. Thank you. This is, this is actually the soundtrack, not the laser disc on this one. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, it's okay. Well, that's a, that's a, wow. that's, a, that's a pick. That's good. Damn, you guys! Try to <laughs> try to throw me out already. Jeez, no, I, I checked. Like okay, I thank you, thank you. Nineteen eighty four. I almost intentionally picked movies that were like not from the eighties to be funny, but I couldn't find any that made the joke funny enough. That I just thought you'd be like that, where you'd be like, "Wait, Josiah, you're just wrong." When I was like, "No, I'm trying to be ironically fun," but yeah. So, well, but she, she, you're right though. Don't worry. Thank you. Thank you. Because you guys just literally made my heart break. Gosh, you guys. Because even, even, even Last Crusade is still the 80s. Yeah. Thank I knew, you. I knew it was from the 80s. I'm just saying, this is the Rocket Jan Jones movie to fix. No, I got to agree not. with, with well, that one. Yeah, I okay. It, you could have picked maybe. any of the three, other the other two, and I would have been like... But, I know, I know, but this one. But, but defend your choice. Let's not let's not okay. step, step on it right now. Defend All right, no, choice. I know, not wrong movie, probably for you guys, but for me, this is really special because this is one of the movies that I used to watch with my mom all the time. 
So um, it, it was like a fun adventure for me. I was really young. I didn't probably understand everything that was going on, but <laughs> it was just special because my mom and I watched it and she, I don't know why she let me watch this movie, but, um, you know, in short round now, now after watching a certain movie called Everything Everywhere, all at once that yeah. now I'm like, dang it. And now that it, it, I'm linked back to that movie even more. And, uh, maybe this is the reason why I feel, uh, I like India a lot because it's, it's featured there and all that stuff. So I don't know. It just kind of shaped me and, and I have really good memories with my mom watching this movie. So, Oh, okay. Yeah. I I, th- I still think the first thing I think of is not, not only Kali Ma, but also uh, it's uh, like, we're not we're not we're not sinking, we're crashing, or whatever the what, what, whatever that that line is like. <laughs> um, yeah, the plane. Uh, I <laughs> I love that impression right now. That's the best. Yeah, can you do your that? Cape, again? Your cape capsule. Wait, 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 wait. What's the what's <laughs> the words again? Cap. It's like we're like we're not blanking, we're crashing. What was it? We're. Like yeah, yeah, because like he's like the plane is sinking or something. I forget what the yeah. line is, but that's, uh-huh. yeah, her Kate Capshaw's uh, <laughs> response. But just yeah, so thinking she like I have, this is this, this is the soundtrack for this one, so not the uh, record. But I gotta say, as a kid, uh, you're definitely onto something because as a kid, this would have been my favorite Indiana Jones movie, and it's because largely because of short round. So you have mm-hmm. a character in yeah. this movie that I could connect with. It's really interesting mm-hmm. we think about it because this is the movie that. They created PG-13 because Steven Spielberg, it, they were going to give it an R rating. So they had to appease then by far the most powerful man in Hollywood at that point that let's create a new rating for you so that your movie doesn't get an R rating for all the creepy darkness in it. Uh, but at the same time, with all that darkness that's in it, PG-13, when I was way younger than 13 when I first watched this movie. So, uh, again, we have really good, solid choices. Uh we have uh, Beetlejuice, Arthur, Temple of Doom, and Spaceballs. And I intentionally wrote them down. I, I, I think I remember who said them, but I write them down without your names and your uh, next to it so that I minimize my bias because I want to pick the movie purely on which movie. Although I appreciate when you tell the stories of why, and I think that's really why these types of shows are awesome because it's our personal connection to these movies. And especially for for... 80s movies that those of us who really grew I mean we all grew up with these movies I can't say that but you know Albert and I in particular I think we remember some of these movies I don't I was just too young to remember this in the theaters but I remember Last Crusade I remember Batman I remember Beetlejuice being events in the theater so it's really cool and special to just talk about them and our connections to them all that said I'm torn but I got to go with what I just think is the strongest choice and I don't want to make this the Tim Burton list, but I'm about to. It is Beetlejuice. And we're not yeah. just trading picks out of like, we have a side deal we worked out or something. <laughs> and and I, but we exchange mm-hmm. money on the side to pick each other's movies. But I just think it's it's a hard choice, but I think it's the the best pick. And it's one of those movies where I'm like, oh, how didn't I think of it that? It is still the test of time. People are clamoring <laughs> yes. for Beetlejuice too. Beetle, Beetlejuice mm-hmm. musical is going strong on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Like, it makes sense. It's a great pick. Good job, Alora. Yeah, I actually, I actually don't think it's a hard choice. If I was a judge, <laughs> I would pick Beetlejuice. Yeah, even, on a, so. even on a technical level, in a, even in a technical level, in a legacy level, Beetlejuice does trump the other three movies. We are going to move on to the best movie of the 80s. This is it. We're all experts, and we are making this defined list. Um, and so with this... Which Tim, Bo- which Tim Burton movie will come in at number one? I know, right? Mm. It would ha- I think it would have to be. If it were the case, it would have to be, I think, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Oh, God. The last Tim Burton movie <laughs> the from the one. 80s. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, my God. But, be- uh, oh, God. But, Albert, you are our uh, judge, and Josiah, you were the judge last would you like to go first so yes my number one choice which i think tyler might be able to guess that it that, that oh. it is uh, we did an episode on popmosis on this movie it's my favorite movie just ever i love this movie it's a star wars movie it's the movie that started the 80s and it is the empire strikes back 
me, this is like the perfect film. It's it's it has everything that is great about Star Wars. It has the romantic aspect. It still has the a- action. It has the sharpest, most well written dialogue in any. The directing of it is really good. The pacing of it is I love because you. It's kind of Irvin Kershner being a bit of an older classical style director. It has this mm-hmm. this pacing that things. It's a little bit more of a slow burn, especially when you compare it to like modern film and modern Star Wars, which are very of the day in terms of their pacing, whatever you think of them else, uh, otherwise aside. And it's just, there's a, a line in, I think it's in clerks or something, Kevin Smith somewhere, but he talks about the, why the empire strikes back ending is the best because life is, he goes, life is a series of down endings and that's what empire strikes back is. It's a down ending, but that makes it powerful. And I love that I just learned recently on, I follow Mark Hamill on Instagram. Good follow, by the way. I follow him on Instagram and Twitter and stuff. But he talked about how that shot where, you know, it looks like uh, Lando stole Han Solo's vest and there he's in the Millennium Falcon and Luke is getting his hand fixed and stuff. That was actually something they reshot, they shot, picked up later to help the ending be a little bit less bleak, which just, (laughs) I think is just crazy and awesome. It's like, oh, here's this little hopeful tag that, don't worry, we're going to go find him at Jabba the Hutt and stuff. And it has obviously... I did not Boba know about Fett. that. That's I didn't know that either. I, I, no, and I think that too. And like I said, Tyler would know. If I know anything, a lot about any movie, it's this movie. Yeah, And absolutely. I didn't know that until Mark Hamill posted it on Instagram. So I was thrilled to learn it. But that is one of many reasons. It's, I think, the great... I Personally, it's my personal favorite film ever. I think it's the 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 best of Star Wars, the best of the eighties, the best of every sort of category is in one movie. It has romance, adventure, action, special effects, everything you can want, like perfectly well balanced. Yeah. And it wasn't directed by George Lucas either. Yeah. That's a plus. <laughs> Shade. Damn. Kind of in the same vein. Um, my number one pick, I feel personally, is the perfect mix of action, adventure, and comedy. It stands up. It's a movie that I continually rewatch along with the sequels. Um, for being a movie about time travel, it makes everything very easy to follow. So my number one pick is Back to the Future. And I just feel like everything about it is iconic. It's very 80s. The fashion, the style, everything. I love that movie. So that's my number one pick. Oh, Back damn. to the Future was the movie that made me fall in love with time travel. <sighs> damn. Okay. Very again, it's like a movie that I didn't think of, and I'm like, how didn't I think of that one? Kind of thing. So, but you, you want to even have three choices? It's tough. Mm-hmm. Yep. The whole decade, hard. three choices. It's so right, hard. Anna, what you got? Uh, oh man. Okay, I just kind of scramble because uh, my number one was voted number two. So. Um, oh. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with my bro choice because at the end of the day, I am an 80s action movie queen. So, you know, I'm about to destroy this list. All right. Y'all going to hate me more because I didn't choose the right Indiana Jones movie. So for my number one, I'm going to go with Commando with the great Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, yeah. Come on. (laughs) Ultimate. Yeah, ultimate <laughs> 80s action movie. All right. That was a peak time for action movies. I know, Tyler. Don't and hate. You, and you chose Commando. I so Commando, yeah. Many choices. <laughs> so many choices. Go with Commando. Could have gone with Rambo. I almost went with Rambo. Even I did. Then. I oh. know, but I'm a total bro, okay? <sighs> I am a basic action bro. So Okay. All right. Okay. Okay, so I'm gonna go with also a broy kind of uh, movie, I guess. It's also a kids movie. Um, this movie has stood the test of time. People still talk about it today. It is constantly, constantly up for a sequel or a remake. Um, it is directed by one of the most infamous directors of all time, who is who has uh, directed movies about some of the most iconic characters, and uh, and it all is pretty much summed up into one sentence. Goonies never say die. The Goonies is the epitome of 80s film, is the epitome of adventure films. It is the epitome of kids being kids going on an adventure to seek a pirate's treasure. It is so much fun. It is constantly talked about and referenced today 
There's so many movies in the background where you always see the slots like, hey, you guys, like just like always being in the background in movies. It is just Richard Donner just hit it out of the park with Steven Spielberg's story. And it's just it's it's just an infamous. It is a top tier film and just absolutely defines what the 80s was. And I really do think that it is it is it really is like the ultimate 80s film. And that's my and that's my personal opinion. And uh, that's a strong one, though, because yeah. like you said, uh, you again, you have uh, the a movie that was on my list of oh, should I do this one or this one kind of thing. So I waffled between that one. It was tough. Like again, only three choices. It's so hard to decide. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but that one, I'm proud though, because this is one of the first ones where I was like, oh yeah, that like you, the most of you guys surprised me in a good way with choices I didn't <laughs> think of. Yeah, but this one I did think of as a kid in the '80s. You wanted to be a Goonie. You yep. wanted to be a Goonie. That was I it. You don't wanted to be, be a Goonie because you because you could because you could be a Goonie. You know, you can't be. You could play a Han Solo, but you could be a Goonie because you could go on an adventure. It felt like fantasy in that movie felt attainable. So yeah, absolutely. Already, go. Albert, you have three great choices and Commando. Uh- hey, y'all just hating. <laughs> y'all just haters. All right, cool. Right, I know good. I'm right. <laughs> the choices were Empire Strikes Back, which is Star Wars. It would have been in my list. You know, we got Commando, which would not be in my list. <laughs> I would say, I would say like top 20, top 30. Like, you, you, this is the decade with Tron, The Thing, Blade Runner, like <laughs> Commando. I, it action, like, okay, bro action movies. Come on, that Tron is not a bro action movie. I hard. I could have gone Die Hard, but I didn't. I went with Commando. Okay, all right. Then you got Die the Hard Go- was too easy. Die then you got the Goonies. Die Hard was an almost for me too. So. Yeah, <laughs> I was, I was, try- I was trying to figure it out. My, I was trying to weave it in my list too. All right, Albert, and, I apologize. And then, and then you got Goonies. You know, the Goonies are good enough. A lot of, a lot of love for K Hui, uh, K Ki Hui Kwan. Is that your process? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in the show. Mm-hmm. And then, um, what was your pick again, Lara? Back to the Future. Winner. <laughs> yeah. Winner. Damn it! Wow, Laura. Wait, what was that <laughs> one that you picked really? that I can't remember? But it won, even though I couldn't remember that one. That's, yeah, yeah, that's wow. Right. No, I, I that was that was a bit. I tried. Uh, never mind. I failed. <laughs> I see what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Butthead. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, it is the move. I love time travel movies, and Back to the Future was the one that introduced me and made me fall in love with time travel. And mm-hmm. I cannot yeah. deny that. To be, oh, to be fair. I think Back to the Future Two was more, more moment was more of an influence to me. Uh, Back to the Future, I got to give it lots of props. I, I, I don't, I don't live too far from, um, from the mall that they shot the thing in. So there's that as well. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's like, it, it, yeah, it, it holds a special place in my heart. You know, there are some problematic things towards the end of the end of the movie, but we let it slide. Of I will of say that my, John Mulaney's bit about Back to the Future is like one of my all-time favorite things ever. <laughs> yeah, he's disgraced. You know, he's a disgraced nuclear physicist. Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. We have our top three with Batman, Beetlejuice, and then Back to the Future. That is a solid list. All the Bs. All the Bs. Um, and uh, and on that note, we all didn't get a pick. So we do have an honorable mention that we can all say, since we all didn't get, uh, since three of y'all didn't get a pick, and Anna and I, uh, you know, we get extra. So uh, I'll go first on my with my honorable mention. I try to really weave it in there. It is probably the most influential comedy action movie for me. Um, and uh, I love Eddie Murphy. Beverly Hills Cop is I, I just a solid, a solid film. Um, I absolutely love that movie still today. Uh, has two of the worst sequels of all time, but hey, like at least at least the first one was great. <laughs> and it also has Judge Reinhold in it too. So I'm just saying. But Beverly Hills Cop has that weird, weird cameo by George Lucas trying to get on that festival ride. The so. third one, yes, yeah, yeah Beverly Hills so Three. Weird. Oh my it's god, the weirdest cameo in no, movie wait, ever. Is that him and his wife, right? Oh, that weird. I don't know, but regardless, it's yeah. super oh, weird. We're doing but... like two or three degrees of separation with our movies and the people who are in it, right? You know? No, but that was <laughs> movies in the eighties, especially, which is still yeah. to an extent movies. But in the eighties, it was 
the Steven Spielberg George Lucas family tree was a big part of it. Like, yeah. it really was. All this True. reference with Judge Reinhold in it, amazing. Mm-hmm. Judge, Rein- Judge Reinhold was the 80s. I mean, ruthless people. I mean, let, I mean come on. Come on. It's Judge Reinhold. Come on. It's Judge Judge Reinhold. Anyway, uh, we'll, see, we'll see go next for your honorable mention. I guess I'm not surprised that nobody picked it, but I'm also surprised that nobody picked it. Uh, the Princess Bride. This was going to be the number one pick. Oh. I love Princess Bride. It was one of those movies that, that, as a kid, I wasn't sure what I was watching. It was like a storytelling thing, device, and then you get to go to the actual movie, and it's like all the, the classic lines, and people were so serious about killing each other, but they didn't act like, they acted like gentlemen. You know, there, there was a lot of things that, that this, the teams and the story, the narrative, that introduced me to Filmmaking, storytelling. Yeah. Princess Bride is that. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Eloro just and read and read The Adventures in the Screen Trade by William Goldman, who wrote the book that that is yep. that, well, based on. He wrote the book and he wrote the screenplay. Great, 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 great. One of the best books ever. There's two of them. There's Adventures in the Screen Trade and more Adventures in the Screen Trade. Great books on filmmaking and writing and the whole process. Just connected to that movie. In another movie, I'm like, how didn't I think of that movie? So I guess since I'm talking, I'll go. My choice for, for my second one, I kind of went for the big iconic movies for my other ones. And it stood out as sort of the beginning and end of the 80s. That was unintentional, but there were sort of the more the, the big iconic type movies. The number one for me is the personal one, and it is Wings of Desire. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's uh, such a beautiful, brilliant film. It was horribly remade with Nicolas Cage in what was... There was a uh, remake for that? <laughs> Yeah, the City of Angels is a remake of Wings of Desire. Oh, that's true, huh? <laughs> yeah, and so unfortunately, but it's such a beautiful movie. It really expanded my view of what film could be and storytelling and the approach to, uh, you know, it's really a subtle fantasy film. It's it's about yeah. an angel that decide, chooses to fall to earth because he falls in love. It's just a such a simple story, but executed so beautifully because the things in life that we might take for granted, yeah, how he sees it, now that he's in the mortal form, it's just everything is, he literally now sees color and, and, and the world just is illuminated in a way that he didn't know it could be because he just before that just chronicled what happened without this sort of attachment to it. And now he's attached to it and sees the beauty of it. And I just thought that was such a powerful, powerful film. And it really affected me in terms of as a storyteller myself and just a great, beautiful, lyrical film as well. And, uh, sort of my odd choice that I I think kind of works out as the honorable mention because it probably wouldn't win a category because it's more just a special to me type film. Yeah. But you should definitely watch it. I recommend that. So man, because it would be I hope at least it maybe it could be commando, but other than that I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Running to We love you Anna. All right, all right, So I'll throw out two brief ones. Um so like a personal 80s movie that I was very attached to as a child was ET. I literally burned through three copies of that on VHS. My parents were tired of hearing about E.T. I made them take me to Universal Studios and rode the E.T. ride over and over and over and over again. So E.T. And then I also just wanted to mention um, My Neighbor Totoro because it's a very iconic anime movie. Came out in the 80s. I didn't I wasn't born in the 80s, so I didn't get to see it in the 80s. But it's. He's recognized, Totoro is recognized globally now at this point. And so I feel like that's a really strong um, anime film that made a huge impact and may have even been people's like first anime film that they've ever seen. So another one I was trying to get on my list, too. So, yeah, well done. All right, Anna, what was your what was your honorable mention? 16 Candles. But I only wanted to keep it to one one teen high school movie but yeah 16 candles that was a good one too that's a good choice that's a great no. choice no, no and, comment yeah <laughs> and Stop. why are you why are you like this Albert? I don't know see I like the dichotomy you got going here you have commando over here and 16 candles over here that to yeah. me is it's who I am. range as a person that is that should be applauded not ridiculed. Who I am <laughs> should be celebrated. Apparently, <laughs> Albert thinks I'm hilarious. So, yeah. no, I'm glad that I make you laugh, Albert. I'm here for you. Whatever you need a good laugh. I'm glad. I'm glad you like the movie. 
Good. Yeah. yeah. Good good for you. Well, good it didn't age well, obviously, like anything else, but oh, still, yeah. like... Speaking of which, should we, should we move on to the next category? We should move on to the worst 80s movies of all time, where Anna will be the judge for the second worst, and uh, just, uh, Albert, you were the judge last. Would you like to go first? Absolutely. And this pick that I'm going to pick, I know for sure Anna's not going to pick it. Because my choice is 16 candles. <laughs> oh my god, that's what you want. It, it's, it's either that or Commando. It, yeah, yeah, I know. I yeah, know. You said it didn't age well. When I was watching it as a kid, it, it did age already. I was uh, I was furious at this movie for how it portrayed the Asian guy. As an Asian kid no, yeah. watching this, I was yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, what the hell is going on with this movie and his portrayal? Now, admittedly, it was the comic relief and all that stuff, and I get it. And he wasn't a complete stereotype. Because this was the anti-Asian Asian stereotype. Because he wasn't, he was like a sex, uh, he was like a horn dog and all that stuff, which is still a stereotype. But but yeah, when I watched this as a kid, I was furious in this movie, and and, and oh, it man. stuck with it stuck with me. And uh, every time they mention his name, they they ring a gong. Come on, oh, come yeah. on, yeah, yeah, it was uh, bad. Well. Yeah, man, I, I I haven't watched this as a kid, so maybe I don't remember any of that. But um. Damn, damn. Um, I'll go next because I know Anna won't pick it, but I just it needs to be said. Um, this was a sequel to one of the greatest um bro movies of all time, I guess you would say. It was like, you know, like it was one of the most iconic movies of the seventies, and when we do that episode, I'm sure it'll pop up. Uh, but this is the sequel where there was you were just like, How did you mess this up this badly? Uh Caddyshack 2 was like an abomination. Mm. How do you like like the first movie was all about was about nothing. How did you mess that up? Like how? Like like it's just it was just like I don't get it. It's it's insane to me about how bad that movie was and how bad of a sequel it was. It's a good thing you mentioned uh, a sequel because I I did want to say that the eighties, a lot of it had horrible sequels. So yeah. many horrible mm-hmm. sequels from the mm-hmm. horror yeah. from the horror movies, the slasher movies. <laughs> A lot of yep. bad, bad sequels. The action movies, a lot, a lot of bad sequels. You know, I didn't want to choose any of that because it it felt to me like I was punching down. They're just bad. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Caddyshack and like Cannonball Run two are like two of the worst sequels of all time. Like two of the worst movies of all time. And so I'm like, they just need they, at least Caddyshack needs to be said. A funny trivia. Speaking, since you mentioned Cannonball, do you know Cannonball had the fastest Cannonball Run in the uh, in the twenty. 20- Two years ago, during COVID, because there was nobody around to get to go really fast. You know, by the way, you guys know it's real thing, right? Cannibal Run. No, no. It's a real thing. It's I'm learning this thing. right now. I have no wow. idea. Yeah, I Cannibal, the Cannibal I... Run is a real competition in real life. It's there's it's supposed to be hush hush because it's clearly illegal. Because there were so many less cars in 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 2020 because of COVID, it, 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 people were just zooming through the freeway. It's Something else. Oh snap! I, I I want them to remake this movie so badly. I think it could be so much fun. But that's that's just me. I feel like I could say the My Little Pony movie because Penny has uh, put a pony on my shoulder. But uh, no, Daddy, it's a unicorn. It's a unicorn. She corrected me. I should. Yeah, right. that is. That was adorable. Get it right. The kid putting that you in adorable. your place. Um, but How dare you? For, for Go me, to your room. Just kidding. <laughs> 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 this kid is staying up past her bedtime to hang out with me, so special Aww. night for her. So it is a bad movie that has kind of become iconic for its comedy bit with uh, Paul Rudd and Conan O'Brien. But if you uh, watch <laughs> the movie, the movie is whole unbelievably bad. It's yeah. so hard to watch. It's the anti-ET. E.T. was this beautiful, great movie, and they're like, how can we cash in on that and have it be a McDonald's commercial? Yep. And Hope commercial, it is macking me. It is just an unbelievable abomination of a film that it plays on everything you might love as a kid. You know, in the 80s, you love McDonald's, you love Coke, you love E.T. Let's mash all those things together and you will feel like you are suffering torture. It is so bad. The alien is horrifying. Like, E.T. Oh, has this, God. like look that's that's real and kind of a little bit like could be scary but it's appealing and then you have mac and me it's just this horribly just terrifying design especially when you see that like his family on their home planet when he gets lost just a horrible horrible 
movie. It's a terrible it, film. Oh my god! I'm glad it's been at least become a redemptive thing thanks to Paul Rudd using it as the like, oh, let's cut to a clip, yeah. and it's always Mac and me. So there's an upside to this horrible movie that is so bad. Don't watch it unless you're watching it with friends to like, you know, make fun of it and enjoy it. But don't just watch it by yourself. I want to watch it with Paul Rudd more than anything. (laughs) (laughs) That would be awesome. Okay, so this one, it hurts me to say this because I actually personally really like watching this movie, but it is a terrible movie. Um, Weird Science. Oh, I I I thought you were... I thought you were going to say Commando. Guilty pleasure. No. Guilty pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> Total guilty, guilty pleasure. pleasure. Movie's terrible. Like, the, the effects were really terrible. The sets were really odd. Like, the story doesn't ever really make sense. Like, they make this hot girl and then mun- mutants attack them at a party to make them cool. Okay. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, I love it's like watching it. It's like of, like, what are all these, like, weird, cheesy things that would, like, if you had, like, the DNA of the 80s movie, that's, yeah. that's the definition of it. Like yep. Throw those all together. It's like... Is that a John Hughes movie? I believe so. Is, yeah, I is believe it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Yeah. Google search. Yes, it is. Oh, it very much is. He, oh. I mean, he's going to be all over this list, good and bad. When you make that <laughs> yeah. many movies, he is. He is 80s. Yeah. He's eighties. Yeah. He's the eighties. Once again, very problematic with the uh, female characters. John Hughes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. For sure. Yeah. Oh man. That. Alrighty, Anna, you have Caddyshack 2, Mac and Me, 16 Candles, and Weird Science. You have two John Hughes movies and two just movies that Great. the director probably don't even want to be named ever. Oh, man. <laughs> it's a tough choice. Except for one. I know I know they're not going to pick, but go on. <laughs> no. You know, I think, I think, I think you, you judge me too fast, Albert. Because the worst number two is sixteen candles. Wow! Is it really? Whoa. Wait, yeah. wow. really? But, but, yeah. but. <laughs> okay. No, okay. you, you right. make you right. know, you, right. you you did remind me about some of the things, and I'm like you know, it, it was one of. I like it for certain parts, but mm-hmm. overall, it is not a great movie. Let's let's be real. Don't okay. do that this movie. There, there's a scene. No, no, this there's movie. Scene where, there's a scene where a guy literally gives his girlfriend, his passed out girlfriend, to another guy to have sex with. Do not give it to this movie, please. Yeah, see, see, you're reminding me wow. of all that stuff. So yeah, you know, I'll take back my runner-up. Oh, but handle. yeah, oh, it's man. it's a problem. It's like one of the like, just there's so many problems with it. Now, thank you, Albert, for bringing it all up. So yeah, that's the number two. So, like, an edited version of this movie would be, like, 20 minutes long, then. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. I think Sixteen Candles deserves a remake so they can fix the problems, you know? Yeah. There, there's a lot. I think I think the, the plot point of um, Molly Ring- Ringwald's character, like, liking the popular guy, that that speaks to me no, and all fine, that. Yeah. That's fine. But that's every all high the other school stuff. Movie, so, yeah. Like... Every high school movie. I know, but it just, like, it, it was, like... Mind, I don't know. That's the other thing I like, but yeah, Albert, it's it's a yeah. pretty problematic, terrible. This is there's another movie that I, that I love that is so horrible. Like it is, it is, it does not age well at all. And it's Animal House. As much as it's not oh. PC at all, I still like the movie, but I hate all the inappropriate stuff that's in it. So I I understand it there too, though. But Animal House, to its to its credit, that like kind of leans into it. Even at the time, it was mm. pushing boundaries. That was what it was yeah. about. So even though there's things that are offensive in other ways, when you look back on it in retrospect, it, it leaned into that stuff. Whereas something like Pretty in Pink, or no, I'm sorry, Sixteen Candles, Animal. was uh, when you look back on it, you're like, oh wow, that's really bad. And it's yeah. that in yeah. a way that hurts it because it's supposed to be this all American sort of comedy high school comedy film so when you look back on it it's like oh you're really seeing it for what it really is as opposed to what you thought it was and and that's can be hard to do sometimes what it really is is american (laughs) i mean let's be honest i mean it's very american yeah right yeah Uh, and uh animal house is a 70s movie i know i I know i would i would just comparing like like it's like how she likes the movie still and like i like animal house and they're both very problematic but that's okay because we're gonna go on to the worst movie of the 80s uh i am the judge for this one anna would you like to go first since you were judged last time er, 16 candles no i'm just kidding <laughs> no okay, Matt. I'm not... 
<laughs> I know, right? I'm that. I'm that in this episode. Chaos. Um, this one, you know, to be honest, I I don't remember much because I think I watched it a couple times when I was younger, and that's it. But I do remember I did not like it when I watched it, and um, I still just I'm like, really, this got made. Um, mannequin with Andrew McCarthy and Kim Cattrall. Oh my god, this movie! What? The concept of it, and uh, just it's not not the best. And I hope it never gets remade because it shouldn't. There's so and many James things Peter's wrong. Yes, so that's my man. Yeah, um, I, 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 yeah, you're all over him in good and bad on this list. I know. <laughs> yeah, right? My man, but I don't like him sometimes. No, uh, yeah, that's my never number, heard of number one movie. pick. Really? Wow, yeah. That's how bad it is. That's it's, why but it's I, it's one of those iconically '80s movies that has an mm-hmm. even worse sequel. But again, it's it's. I feel like we've we've landed on the next the next uh, like episode here. Problematic movies that you used to like because <laughs> it's yeah. a lot of these are really unfortunate to like think back on how un- horrible a lot of things are. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, that's that. Yeah. Re- All right. Redeem redeemed myself. Yourself. There we go. Quasi, a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> Still, right. who, who would like to go next? Oh, here I'll go next. Uh, and I'm curious to see what Josiah's reaction is, considering the action figure he has in the background there. Uh, as a kid, huge fan of He Man and the Masters of the Universe, right? And then when I heard Dolph Lundgren was cast as He Man, like <laughs> I see that, sure, he looks like He Man. You know, Frank Langella as Frank Langella. I forget the guy's name who played yeah, Calipari. Oh yeah, Frank Langella. It is Frank Langella. Another problem my guy. But yeah, he, he, gosh, I can see that. This should be a good movie. Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> I mean, this. <laughs> I think Masters of the Universe, <laughs> to its credit, doesn't have a big budget. It's a movie that should have been made today, not back then, because it it did all mm-hmm. the shortcuts that a lot of adaptation does to these kinds of movies. Oh, it's a it's a movie in another world. Well, we don't have the money for that, so let's say it's in Earth. First side of like, are they really going to do that? And then certain characters that you that are magical, yeah, we can't have that. We're in Earth anyway. They're not going to be in the movie anyway. So it was just like a series of disappointment as a kid who loved He Man, and then yeah. this movie comes out and it's nothing like I wanted it to be, and it follows all the rules that people like, uh, like the, like like from the Transformers movies that they, they're they're still doing. You know, let the leads be the human characters. Don't worry about the cartoon characters. And it beat the human characters. It kind of started from this movie, really. So, bad, bad movie. Damn. Damn. All right. Yeah, so I love that movie, but I admit ah! that it's a bad movie. I love it. Like, <laughs> there we go. Can, I don't know if you can... It's, it's far back there, but if I tilt my screen back, there is the Super 7 uh, Dolph and Skeletor and the Skele God from the end of the movie. But I have an episode on... Go to Josiah's right and listen to myself and my friend Brian, who is a huge Master Universe fan, and he... Hadn't seen the movie as a kid. It slipped through the cracks for him, but he did not like it. But he also kind of understood what they were trying to do. But like he said, before we watched it, we did like a little pre-episode where he just looked at the poster and he's like, yeah, it's a bad sign in the 80s movie when there any fantasy thing like comes to suburbia, comes to the city. Like Albert said, you know, it's like, oh, we don't have the money to like make a Star Wars level science fiction film. So let's shoot it in Temecula. That, that's what happens. And that's the epitome of this movie. But I love it, but admit that it's a bad movie. I have a personal vendetta against this 80s movie. Personal. Very personal. Very Willow. Personal. <laughs> Willow. Oh, I don't like Willow my pick. Okay. It's okay. Willow is like up there with one of the other few early experiences I remember going to the movies. So it's personal in the other way for me. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm definitely hurting right now. We were, we were like, uh, you know, in sync with, with the Tim Burton <laughs> stuff. And now we're, we're bitter enemies. My foe, you, my friend has become my foe. If you were named after a magical 80s baby that was in this movie, you would also have a vendetta against it. <laughs> <laughs> The princess. I can see that. I didn't. It just now all of, it's all making sense all of a sudden. I didn't know we had yeah. royalty in the episode. I'm so sorry. <laughs> the funny thing is, I say that, but my life is like high fantasy. I love everything, books, movies, everything high fantasy. But that movie in particular, I I have like five copies of it because people buy it for me all the time. I refuse to watch it. The worst movie of the 80s, it's it's an iconically 80s thing that 
the Garbage Pal Kids, those cards were a big deal. And it was one of those things where in the 80s, it's like they tried to make a G.I. Joe movie. They tried to make the Transformers movie. They tried to make these movies, Care Bears, My Little Pony. All these kids brands had movies, but most of them did not have live action movies. They were cartoons. But the Garbage Pal Kids, which didn't have a cartoon or anything, had those trading cards that were stickers that became the most unwatchable movie ever, maybe. It's, it's even worse than Mac and Me. You can't even look at this thing. It was pulled from the theaters. It was so bad. Like the characters, like if you look at the Garbage Pail Kids, they're kind of like horrific. They're they're a play on Cabbage Patch dolls. You don't know. But they're like all weird and creepy versions. It's like for boys to like that didn't like the dolls. So you, you have that. And then, but the thing is in mid 1980s, like special effects, they put little people in these costumes to look like these horrifying creatures. And it's just, you can't even look at it. It's so bad. And then the plot is creepy. It's the kid from the, it was in Facts of Life and just such a, it's don't, it's, it's such a bad whole, like, un, like an unwatchable movie. It's actually that bad unwatchable movie. It's, it's like, it's gross when it's not trying to be like, it's like kind of trying to be like gross, like to appeal to kids, but it's just gross when you look at these weird caricatures come to life. It's just like a horrifying experience, especially as a kid. It was. It did not land in the right way. So, out of all the movies <laughs> mentioned in this episode, never saw Garbage Pail Kids the movie. Never you did. are wow. so wow. Lucky. Okay, so I have Willow, Masters of the Universe, Mannequin, and Garbage Pail Kids. Um, I won't pick Willow, as much as I do not like that movie. Um, I actually think that that should be number two. On all honesty, but yeah, Master of the Universe is a really terrible movie, but has actually become like Batman and Robin, where it is fun to watch with people. Mm-hmm. And for those, sure. though, yeah, sure. I don't count those as bad movies. Um, Mannequin seems so terrible, and Anna, I really wish I knew more. But I know. am I the only? Is Albert or sorry, is Josiah and I the only ones who have seen the Garbage Pail Kids movie? Has anybody else watched it? Seems like it. Yeah, I've mm-hmm. seen it. It literally, seen it. it literally is the most disgusting. Uh, it is just disgusting. Like, like characters, like the scene will start, and then you'll just see like this, like this. Um, okay, did you see where the wild things are? Yeah. Now imagine that, but like real prosthetics and real costumes, not CG at all. And imagine like a but like si- really, really, yes. really, really, really low budget, really low effects. budget too. And imagine like a panning shot of them being like, "Hey, we're going to an alley," in a panning shot, and then you see one of those huge-headed things literally throwing up, and you see the throw up, and it has nothing to do with the scene or what's going on. They're just in the background. It's like stuff like that happening constantly in this disgusting film. This movie is made to gross you out, just like the cards are. Yeah, like he said, it's the anti-Cabbage Patch Kids, where they're, like, ugly. They're, like, earwax windy, and, you know, and, like, all this other stuff. Or uh, I think they even have irritable bowel syndrome, uh, you know, Tony or something. Like, it's that's what yeah, it is. Yeah, and, and, it, and it's a thing. It could have maybe worked if it was animated. Maybe. But in live action, it's I, just... I don't know. I because never... the, the appeal of the cards, you know, maybe it wouldn't at least been as horrifying. I've yeah. never understood the appeal of the cards or anything, and, this, and the fact that it even got a movie just disgusts me. So I will pick Garbage Pail Kids, and I wholeheartedly hope you guys never watch the movie, but watch a clip on YouTube. It's just one of those movies where it's like you, you don't even have fun making fun of it. And uh, that is it. That is our list. We have the best uh, movies of the 80s with Batman, Beetlejuice, and uh, Back to the Future. And then the two worst of, of the 80s, uh, 16 Candles, and then at number one, Garbage Pail Kids. Thank you guys so much for being here. But before we go, where can people find you? Uh, let's start with uh, one of our guests, Albert. Uh, you can just... Look for the Self Injunction podcast at uh, Spotify, Apple, any of your podcast services that you that you use. Uh, check it out. Also, whoatsportsway dot com. You can also find it over there as well. Perfect, Elora. You can find the Pop Prism Power podcast at Pop Prism Power on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, and you can listen to our podcast pretty much everywhere. You can catch podcasts or everywhere. Perfect, Josiah. You can find me, uh, Josiah is right here on YouTube. 
you can find specifically my episode about Master of the Universe. So check that out because it's again where I break down the reality of I love this movie, but it is bad. You can find me on Instagram. Just as Josiah is right, W R I T E as in writer. All right, and Anna. You can find me on social media at Anna Voltage on Twitter and Instagram, or as Elora already told you, you can find uh, our show Pop Prison Power on any uh, podcast directory that you use. Absolutely. And thank you so much for watching. Uh, please go ahead and subscribe. It would really help us out and give us that like. Uh, we're going to be doing more of these uh, movie episodes uh, in the future, and I'm, I'm so excited. And yeah, once again, go ahead and subscribe. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you soon. Grand Geek Gathering